Blue Wire. All right, you guys ready to get started? Because we have a doozy of a show tonight. Mm-hmm. All yes. right, let's do this. All right, everyone, welcome in to episode number 39 of That's What B Said. I 39. am your host. I know. Bree Rust at Breezy Clee, and I am joined by Miss Mollis at Bird's Eye View. Hey, Molly. Brittany. Hi, Brittany. ladies. <laughs> How you Molly, doing? babe. <laughs> <laughs> and also Miss Meredith at MK on Sports. Meredith, hello. Hello. I'm so happy to be chatting with you ladies tonight. There is honestly so much and I, we need to just talk about things, get some things off our chest, vent. I have major anxiety over the Browns, uh, even more so than last week. So let's delve into it. All right. So the Browns, I don't think people want to talk about this, but we can't not talk about it. The Browns are plagued with injuries and I almost had a panic attack today regarding (laughs) what I think is going to happen with the season. So just to recap, uh, the latest and greatest, oh, man, this, this actually pains me to say this. When I was, I was making this list today and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> we are yeah, in trouble. Yeah, not good. No bueno. So Grant Delpit is the most recent mm. Browns player to go down, uh, which I was super bummed about because obviously a rookie standout, um, player that we were looking forward to seeing that I think could have came in and made an immediate impact. Not good because it's his Achilles and he's out the rest of the year. Also not good because that's a really tough injury to come back from. Um, So not good. In addition to that, uh, Greedy Williams also left practice with a shoulder injury. Um, Terrence Mitchell is out with a knee. Um, MJ Stewart hamstring And then, as we already know, Carl Joseph, um, Jarvis Landry seems to still be banged up a bit. David Njoku, Larry Ogunjobi was out, but he he returned again. Damian Mm. Ratley, J.C. Treader, and obviously Mac Wilson. And it feels like this list just keeps growing and growing by the day, Mm -hmm. and mostly on the defensive side of the ball. So, Brittany, I'm going to start with you. How do you feel about all of these? Are you concerned? Because you're the positive one. Listen. Of the show. It's disheartening when you go through this list and you see cornerback, cornerback, cornerback. How many cornerbacks do we have? <laughs> Look, guys are running thin. Yeah. I can't. Uh, all right. On a positive note. Hold on, I'm trying. <laughs> I was like, yes, she's going to give something not yet listen we're still weeks away and i mean not very many that's that's, yeah like that's all i got guys we're still four weeks weeks away like these are these are athletes okay these are like prime specimens of humans they can come back they can bounce back a lot quicker than we can okay when i heard okay the the lacerated liver thing yeah. Just hearing that had me on the couch for like two days with sympathy <laughs> pains. I wanted to puke when Poor I heard Kevin. that. I was like, oh my God. And then he's out today. Just, you know, he wasn't doing much, but like yeah. he was there. He was on if the bikes. I, I yeah. Would just was die. Yes. So weeks away. I will Super give you my athletes. liver. Do you need livers? I have for, one, Kevin. Yeah, for alcohol. You can well you can <laughs> you can donate pieces of a liver. Like I yeah, think you don't that's need how a full one. I don't yeah. have a piece. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe we can all give him a piece. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, all the three of us could band together. Although I don't know about my liver. It's probably, yeah, mm. I need mine. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I fine, I'll sacrifice that away. mine. <laughs> I will sacrifice. <laughs> my, my liver has been through hell and back, and I still occasionally put it through hell and back. Yeah, okay. I mean. <laughs> so we need some volunteer livers. Anyone out there that is willing. <laughs> but no, um. I'll start getting worried when we get close, like really worried, because I am a little concerned now. But I told you guys last week, I don't, I don't watch any of this stuff on purpose, and I try to not look at too much because you know today, from what I saw, guys, today was a very just a yeah. bad day all around, We're terrible, talk about that too. terrible day. So yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait a little bit before I hit the panic button on these injuries. So Meredith, just kind of going off that, cause you are in the thick of things with your job and hearing all of these injuries, like what are your perspective on this as well? And like, is this happening to any other team? Like, or is, is it because we're so laser focused on the Browns and keeping up with what's going on with them? I was just curious, like we can't be the only team that this is happening to, right? Or are we? No, there, I mean, there are other teams and I forget who I was looking at the injury list today. And of course I forgot it immediately. Um, but there are other teams that are having injuries similar to, I mean, no, no other team has had a lacerated liver, but in terms of, you know, like pulled hamstrings, groins, you know, those kinds of things, like those are happening around the league, but it feels like it's happening a lot more with the Browns. Like if you look at the injury lists for other teams, it's, a few players, but for the Browns, it's like half the secondary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like we were, and, and we saw what happened last year when Miles Garrett wasn't mm-hmm. on the field. Like it was the worst. And I think the Browns are ranked one of the worst defenses in the NFL, like as it stands right now, especially with all the injuries. So it's, it's a little concerning. And, and, and I said this last week, and I still think this has a lot to do with it. I think it's, you know, people going 110% because they don't have the preseason games to, mm-hmm. to prove themselves. Yeah. So they have to take whatever opportunities they have on the practice fields to, mm-hmm. to show themselves. And I think that's happening a little bit. And then also, you know, yes, they're professional athletes, but when everything was closed for three months, you know, what were they doing? Like, where could they have gone? Like, there are some people that do have, um, you know, workout equipment at home. Like Baker was on his, as far as I can tell, Baker only did the Peloton for three months, which is probably why he came back looking like a skinny mini, you know, but I, I think pack. that's- He's a four pack. <laughs> yeah, that was reported on today. A four Wait, pack. Wait, OBJ, OBJ said that Baker had a four pack today after practice. <laughs> I was like, is that a compliment or an insult? I wasn't sure. <laughs> like, not full on six pack, just a four. <laughs> I think it was a little dig. I think it was. Because I think, is OBJ taller than Baker? No, I don't think he is. I think Baker might be taller, uh, but I think that was pretty, pretty close, maybe. Yeah, I think Baker's like six foot and some change, and I think OBJ is like 5'11 or something. Yeah, so they're pretty close right. in height. So they're pretty close in height. But yeah, I think it was a little bit of a dig. But yeah, so, so I think that's kind of. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of these injuries are happening is that there was only so much these guys could do with gyms being closed and only having so much access. Like when we had um, Jarvis, what was his last name? Courtney? Uh, Jarvis Courtney. Yeah. When yes. we had him on a few weeks ago, you know, he was saying that he was going out to fields 
and, and working out. And that was what he had to do. So I think that also has a little bit to do with it is that they didn't have access. They couldn't get yeah. into their, the building and work out at these state-of-the-art gyms. Yeah, and it's a little surprising that more teams aren't reporting more injuries. I think that surprises me more than the Browns you know, injury report piling up, is that it, why isn't this happening more everywhere because you know my mindset was the same thing as Meredith said like they everything has been so thrown off up to this point mm-hmm. I expected their bodies to not be in you know super tip-top shape because they haven't been around they've you know they've been on their own um on lockdown quarantine and all that so I was just kind of I'm I'm sitting here dumbfounded like okay this should be happening more everywhere not just to us which of course of course there we are well and I think my concern too is I felt like the defense was a place that was probably our biggest concern um, mm-hmm. heading into the off season. And we didn't have a ton of veteran leadership. I know we obviously had some free agent signings that added some veteran leadership, but majority of our injuries are happening on defense. So to me, like the depth is now a concern um, because a lot of these players would have been, could have been starters on the team. So then mm-hmm. you think about that. It's, not even just the injuries to your like five, six or seven guy, it's potential starters uh, that are not going to be there. And then, okay, so that means next man up, right? So then it's going to be your second, third, fourth guy that has to step in and step up. And then what happens, Mm -hmm. it's just this domino effect of, okay, well, how do you, how do you continue to build the depth behind them? And one of my strategies to to help the defense was we just have to score a ton of points, right? Like the offense essentially has to step in and we're just going to have to win games by some touchdowns. Yeah. And then Brittany, you foreshadowed this, but the reports out of today were not good from an offensive perspective. And the fact that the defense was I mean, second team for the most part, because everyone's injured Uh and the offense seemed to be flat. So that is when I had a moment of panic where I was like, oh boy, I don't feel super positive. I don't feel super confident. I'm going to have to spend all of my Twitter days during football season, defending (laughs) my hot takes in the months of June, July, and August. So (laughs) please, like what is happening? So Brittany, can you please put a positive spin on the offense for me or Okay, that's a little bit easier. Okay, great. So yeah, the offense. Here's we have we had the pieces last year to be successful. We have the we had the talent to be talent. successful, specifically on offense. That's important to remember. We just added to that, okay? And we added a better coach. Yes. So guys, I'm not gonna panic about the offense at all right now. I think you know, you go to work and you have bad days. Sometimes you just have bad days. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're not talented or you'll never get it together again. Like, it's just, it's a bad day. And then tomorrow's a new one. So I'm not going to sit here and you hit panic on this offense that has, they're very talented. The pieces are there. So, you know, again, when I talked about the bodies not being in shape and, or not in shape, but not in, not as they should be or as they would be had everything not have happened. Same with offense. You know, they, they're a little bit out of sync sometimes. Um, I'm sure that's happening everywhere, but you know, because we're so focused in on the Browns, like we see it Um, again, that's why I don't watch this stuff. I don't want to panic. And (laughs) then I saw Jake Burns tweeting today and he's like, Oh, they look terrible. And then I saw Hayden (laughs) tweeting. He's like, Oh, they look awful. And I'm like, guys, I can't do this today. My anxiety <laughs> is going through the roof. 
I've had too many start, pumpkin spices. You're gonna have to start <laughs> muting keywords like browns and offense and bad. I'm just gonna like, mute like all of them until the seasons. Because <laughs> I can't. I'm gonna look. Everyone that reports on them every day, you're all getting muted. And I love you, but you're getting muted. You have to. I can't deal with it. It's too much. I appreciate your positive take on this because I was struggling. I literally was like, okay, my expectations, I have to take them down a notch. Like I have to get myself, my mind mentally prepared for week one against the Ravens and maybe not being there from an offensive standpoint. Like, like maybe just think like, you're not going to win this game. Like just go in with that mindset. And then if they somehow perform really well and things start clicking, towards the tail end then great I'll be very happy but maybe just maybe just take my expectations down a notch you're not gonna just like this bit. but like maybe take it to like a 50 50 because you know how like, dare you you know eight, what I'm just eight, leaving eight. goodbye ladies <laughs> okay so I want to pivot into so Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski because then that also made me think as I started thinking about like maintaining expectations taking them down imagine being Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry managing through this season in a pandemic, not only in a pandemic, but now you've got piles and piles of injuries on top mm-hmm. of this. Like talk about pressure for them. And part of me though thinks that like as a reminder to all of us, like what a test this is to to both of them. Oh yeah. Of how how they can essentially turn this into any type of positive. And Meredith, I'll get your thoughts on Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski throughout all of this, because we've obviously listened to press conferences. We're still in the off season. We know we can't win games right now, but in terms of just what they're up against, what do you think? They're up against a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I would say, and I know you don't want to hear this, Brittany, but I would say don't start panicking about the Browns performance on the field until week like five or six. Like don't like, I, I think if the Brown, I hope this doesn't happen, but in the off chance, the Browns go zero and four to start the season. Weird. Don't I'm saying <laughs> don't, I know, I know that that like that I could like see your heart rate you can't spike. Just, like, put that out into the universe. It, it's I'm listening. <laughs> there it is. I'm saying, I'm saying if that happens, don't panic because it's going to take it's going to take some time to work the kinks out and there's only so much you can do during 11 on 11s in in camp there's only so much that you can do facing someone wearing the same color jersey as you are and we heard that from baseball teams during their exhibition games and that's essentially what is happening with NFL teams right now is they're all playing exhibition games at practice to try and work out the kinks and that's just not you know you you don't want to scheme against your own defense because you're the only team. Well, you're not the only team, but like that's unique to you and your personnel, you know? So that's, that's the hard part. So that's why I'm saying for the first four games, don't panic with what happens on the field. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, unless there's like a, a shovel pass at third and 11, like so near the goal, you know? Unless there's like Freddie Kitchens-esque mistakes on the field yeah. in those first four games, I'm not going to worry about what's happening on the field. I think it's going to take them some time to, to work the kinks out and to figure things out. So that's all I'm trying to say. I'm trying to be positive, but it's like bringing up bad memories and I can like see the PTSD in both of your eyes. Uh-huh, 100%. <laughs> no, but you, you do make very good points. Like I think the pressure is big for them. And, you know, it's obviously not ideal situation that they're walking into. 
um, even, you know, it's your first year. So that in itself is very hard and the pressure's on and everyone's watching and everyone's going to overreact because that's what we do as fans. Um, but then you add on everything that happened in the past couple months. And again, everything's so thrown off. You have this extra challenge there and you know, Meredith, you're right. You're right. It is going to take some time to, to work these kinks out. The, the good thing, and I'll put a positive spin on it, ladies, is that it's going to take time for everyone to work kinks out. We, this is not exclusive to the Cleveland Browns. Everyone is in the exact same position. Everyone has missed, you know, preseason games. Everyone is going 11 against down 11. And, you know, that sort of makes it a wash. I think. Yeah. And there's like eight teams, I believe in the NFL that all have new head coaches this year. Yes. So, um, you know, on the bright side, this isn't, you know, Washington and dealing with all the off field drama that they have that, like I saw, there were some weird comments from Ron Ron Rivera Mm -hmm. the other day. And it was just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so glad (laughs) not to be covering the Washington football team right now, because that team is a mess. I thought you were going to yes. say you were so glad that you didn't have Freddie Kitchens leading That's this true. team. In yes. The oh my God. Could you, could you imagine, could you imagine what, what would, uh, what no. the season I know. We've like already, right we've, we've, we've talked about this and it's nothing that we, any of us want to imagine no. what would be happening. It's like a night. That's nightmare fuel right there. Like we're talking about getting into spooky season. That's a scary story. Yeah. How dare you bring Freddie Kitchens into my spooky season? (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite season. Don't you dare do that. (laughs) Just trying to scare you. That's all. God. (laughs) Meredith, what are you putting out into my universe tonight? (laughs) I'm very unhappy. (laughs) So I'm going to probably make you a little bit more unhappy. Not unhappy, but so some of the things that I was seeing today, just like scrolling through Twitter is like the twisted logic of Brown Brown's fans though. And in a sense of like the injuries are piling up. Um, a lot of these things are out of anyone's control, right? Like it's, it's been a really weird off season. It, nothing has been normal. Mm-hmm. These injuries also are not normal, but then there are people that are like blaming Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry. Like it's, it's so easy when you see these things happening that aren't normal to start pointing fingers. And I just think we need to halt like quickly on trying to blame people for these injuries happening because if we would have had Josh McDaniels like the same injuries could be happening like it I just think as a Browns fan it we want to just blame someone for everything yeah. bad that happens and Are I think really great, blaming them I you just see like do you we need be to fire strength different... and conditioning like people yeah. I, I mean it's yeah you must and, follow different people on Twitter because I have not seen that and I am so relieved <laughs> Listen, had, there's a lot of Dales that pop up in mine and Breeze feeds. Well, and yeah. I, I get deep into like comments of things. It's not even like people that yeah. I follow, but yeah. like it'll be like a news <laughs> report. Like I get deep into the dark tunnel of like reading comments um, and going through that. But don't read the comments. That's rule number one of the internet. I love reading comments. It gets me fired up. <laughs> it gets me fired up. Um, but yeah, I, I, so Brittany, I wanted to ask you, like, do you still have faith in Andrew Barry based on everything that's been happening? And obviously he has made some additional signings and one of them Mm -hmm. that we will get into is um they signed over the weekend linebacker malcolm smith coming off of mac wilson's injury and Mm -hmm. his unlikelihood to return for the season um he's 31 year old 31 years old former super bowl mvp 
Um, you know, this signing, I think there were some pros and there were some cons about it. Um, and I think just to touch on the pros a little bit, obviously the veteran leadership, which I think we need um, mm -hmm. in that room specifically, um, that mm -hmm. we lost with Kirksey and um, Schobert last year or this season. Um, obviously he offers depth, which we need at the position. And also he's mm -hmm. familiar with the system. Um, Jake Burns actually did a great article about him kind of delving into his film. So if you guys want to check that out at the OBR, like, please go do that. You can read about him. Um, I think the cons there are he's injury prone. He hasn't necessarily started a season and he's been inconsistent, but I, I mean, when I read that, I was like, well, he'll fit right in. <laughs> you're inconsistent you're actually like you're you're, well you're describing everyone <laughs> i mean that was that was the issue with grant delpit that we went over after draft night was he i don't think he played in his last season at lsu because he had a high ankle sprain and so yep. that was one of those things where yep. we're like okay as long as he stays healthy this kid is going to make an impact right away and then he tears his achilles yeah, yeah. Man. Which can you even imagine how much that hurts? No, oh. no, that's like one of the worst injuries that I think Good you could Lord. experience. Is what do you think hurts worse, that or a lacerated liver? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I would but. say I feel like a lacerated liver has like that would be like lasting effects because I feel like the doctor like probably told him that he can't today. Like he, he probably, was just there on the field, just like I nothing mean, happened. I wonder. He's probably he's probably not drinking right now because it's you know it's yeah, time to put in no. the work but like could you imagine as like a normal person if you got a lacerated liver and the doctor's like yeah you're gonna have to take it easy on anything that your liver That's deals so with I would, literally i would just lay in bed for like the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh. no but you asked me a question it was do i have faith in andrew barry yeah everything past that you know i respect it but that yes yeah. If there was a church of Andrew Barry, I would be the priest. So <laughs> any, literally anything that he does, I'm like, no, you know what? I think that's a, unless. So, yeah, so unless that's your, let's unless, go ahead. Well, okay. Before we get to that, if you're the priest, does that mean that you're capable of exercising the demons? I'm capable of anything, Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> the Josh McDaniels demons. <laughs> just so happy we didn't get it like i'm so happy that makes me so happy that he is yeah. not with us yeah that, that's neither here nor there um yeah so let's talk about what we were gonna talk about brie i know okay so you uh, were probably going to would you be disappointed if andrew barry signed earl thomas who is a he's available because the ravens released him so Brittany, obviously this is a need of ours uh, Earl Thomas is a good football player. Maybe not the best from a character standpoint. Could cause some turmoil in the locker room, which we definitely don't need. Been there, done that in the past. But if your boy Andrew Barry signed him, does that change your opinion at all? I would be devastated if <laughs> <laughs> signed him. And here's the thing. And I think... You know, I don't mean to make this a man-woman thing, but I think that women understand how important character is in someone in order to make something mesh well together. If you're good and you're available, there's a reason why. And obviously, like, there's, yeah. there's a lot of reasons why he's available. Um, I think they're building a culture here that, you know, when you have nerds at the top, smart nerds at the top, they, they have not only the 
the they have the emotional intelligence, I think, to look at someone like that and say, no, like I get that you're 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 good at what you do. If you didn't have all these issues, sure, like yeah, go for them. But I think when you're trying to to build this, you know, team culture, you can't afford to do things like that. You know That's who would me. you know who would sign him? Who? The Steelers? Mr. Men of Moral Character himself. John oh, Dorsey. He would, oh, yeah. he, would, he would be on the line as soon, as soon as he saw that. He'd be like, hello. Earl Thomas would already be in Berea yes, if John no Dorsey doubt. was no still doubt. the GM. Because John Dorsey, as much as he says men of moral character, he does not, excuse my language, use some, some dirty language here. He does not give a shit about no. moral character. He... No. You know, he and like, and that's why I'm not surprised that Jerry Jones is on the phone trying to get Earl Thomas because Jerry Jones oh, was yeah, the Jerry type of person, Jerry Jones was the type of person that called Greg Hardy a leader of men. Like, oh, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, if they help you win football games, yes, they don't care. You could be a murderer, you could kick puppies, and they wouldn't care. No, so yeah, that's and that's one of the big differences between, I think, football guys and like, you know, nerds. Yes. I I really want to believe, and I saw it reported that they were interested, or you know, they yeah, were at least was... like making calls or whatever. And you know, okay, I have faith that that will not happen because I just I can't see a situation where you know they would put football above team right now. Like that doesn't it doesn't connect to me. It I don't it doesn't seem like something he would do. Mary Kay um, in the press conference today um, to. Kevin Stefanski, I think he, she tried to like ask that question indirectly mm -hmm. about, you know, character is something that's important to both you and Andrew Barry. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to take a look at a player who doesn't necessarily have that type of caliber that you're looking for from a team perspective? And he just skirted the question away um, and was like, well, that's up to, that's up to AB and his staff. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't blame GMs at this point for taking a look at, players, especially ones that you know can make an impact to your team, just for the sure. sole purpose of it is such a weird season based on the sole fact of like COVID happening and the fact that with the testing that's happening and signing guys off the street and the unknowns of all of that, like it's, it's almost better to sign someone that who's already on a team because you yeah. know that they've also been vetted through. Um, I don't know that the whole, I feel like that's why you can't, you can't say that he's probably not considering it. He probably is considering it. But again, we have a very young team and we have a very, we have a very young team in terms of not only just from a football standpoint, but ones that are able to be shaped into what you want the culture to be. And we know that last year, the culture was not great. Uh, and we also didn't translate any of that into wins. So at this point, you not only want to win games, but you also want to develop a type of atmosphere and a place where players want to come play. They feel proud to play for, but they also like all are invested in one another. And last year that definitely did not happen. Like they didn't feel like a team. They were all no. just individuals. Yes. And if you listen to the players speaking right now, they actually feel a lot different than last year even um if you guys had a chance to listen to obj's press conference today you know i felt like there were multiple times where it was it was about the team mm -hmm. uh it wasn't about him and he made that very clear that winning was the most important thing and they know that they have a lot of offensive weapons on the team and yeah it'd be great if 
everybody got to eat in this offense, but at the end of the day, they want to win. So that to me, I think feels like their focus and their goals are all one and the same, which is definitely um, much improved on than last year. Yeah. And I think probably the players got exhausted last year with all of the, the distractions and the, the really circus that was happening. Um, and I don't think, I hope, I think they have that under control now. I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. And that, that in itself is just a blessing that we were going into a season where you have guys at the top, everyone's on the same page, that power struggle that was there for years doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, that alignment, the organizational alignment, that means a lot. And, you know, as, as far as people that these players can respect, I think you have that in these two and, and the staff that, that Kevin Stefanski has brought around him. So I don't think that all of the distractions and, you know, the he's definitely not going to wear a Pittsburgh started it shirt. That's not going <laughs> to happen. You just have adults in the room finally. And I think that's going to make a big difference. Yeah. Respect. I think, I think respect mm-hmm. goes both ways and it definitely yes. feels like that's happening. And listen, I know like the Dales that are out there listening, the twisted logic of like, you can't win games in the off season. I get that. Like, <laughs> listen, we might not win games during the season this year based on everything that's happening. So all I want to say to wrap up the conversation about Andrew Barry is I think we have to tamper our expectations a little bit, just given the current state of the way that things are going, the injuries, the COVID situation. Like I just, I don't want to be quick to jump on. We need to fire everyone again and start over. Yeah. So that that's kind of where I'm at with all of this. It's just that mindset of, I really want to win. And I think the roster and the offense specifically, we have the talent to win football games. And the reality is we are in a tough, tough situation just based on everything that's happening right now. And man, it just, it's frustrating because imagine if things were like last year where we had a full season of preparation mm-hmm. and we had just a stable coaching staff with a solid head on their shoulders. And it just, I'm getting the warm and fuzzies just thinking about it free. <laughs> I know. Just I imagine. Know. So that's why and they, I have could have, they could have hired him last year. I know we all could could have had this last year. They did. Yeah. They did target him last year for a head coach. (sighs) I think I like to think that that happened in another timeline. Like if we're in like timeline two (laughs) right now, and I'm going community on this one, we're like timeline two, maybe in like timeline five. We are not not in the darkest timeline anymore, Mayor. Man, unless we're like, yeah, we're like catching up (laughs) to the other timelines. (laughs) Bree's like, <laughs> everyone needs to watch Community. Like, that's really what it comes down to. It's the greatest show on television. I am watching the, the um, Mindless Love Love Island. I don't know if you guys are into that. It is, no. um, it's a horrible show. It's just a bunch of like really attractive people that go on a deserted island and I don't know, hook up, I guess. It's it's, it's worse than The Bachelor. And Do I they find like, love, Bree? Is it about love? It's I think about sex. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, <laughs> Is it on an island? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And there's like attractive people that keep getting shipped onto the island. And, you know, you pick, you pick who you want to be paired with. And 
you know, people vote for you. I, I don't, it's, this actually sounds way worse than it. I, I'm making it sound worse than it is, but if anybody watches Love Island. Uh, um, what was the, what was the show that we all watched together? Oh, Love is Blind. Love is Blind. That's, yeah, that's what we just as bad. Just as bad. It's not worse. Oh my God. I kind of missed that show. Like I missed that, that era of, that was quarantine, wasn't it? Yeah, that era of quarantine yeah, where like we were watching Tiger right King and Love is Blind. And oh my yeah, God. Everyone weird. got, everyone got Disney Plus and started watching The Mandalorian, you know. Yeah. yeah. What a time. I know. Oh, that was so like three true. months. It was three months ago. It feels like 10 years ago. It was three months ago. Well, I didn't even kick off the show with the NFL talk with all of like the COVID gate that happened. Like yes. that actually feels like so long ago, mm-hmm. just based on all of the Browns injuries that are overshadowing everything. <laughs> COVID gate was two days ago. Oh, COVID gate was, <laughs> the days are blurring together. Like, what is time? I, yes. It doesn't even exist. I don't know, but I woke up on Sunday. If you want to talk about doom and gloom, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch a little bit of the Browns practice today. You know, it's Sunday. I have a lot of laundry to do. I'll just pass time watching the Browns oh. Practice and folding laundry. Like, this is life. It's great. And then I get the alert on my phone, and it was like, the Browns facilities are shutting down multiple COVID tests. I'm like, this is it. This is it. Why am I living? Why? Why? I mean, I, yeah, I got that notification too. And I wasn't, I wasn't worried. I like, I knew the minute I saw that notification, I knew there had to be something wrong because like Berea is locked down right now um media is not allowed inside the building um like when we go to practice you have to like walk around the side and like enter the field from the side entrance you're not allowed to go in the building at all even like certain members that work for the organization are only allowed in certain parts of the building and as far Mm -hmm. as i know like nobody has broken the you know the stay-at-home protocol so when i got that notification on sunday and it said that there were 77 positive tests i was like there has to be a mistake like I didn't, like, I knew that there was some kind of mistake. And then, yeah, like an hour or two later, it came out that like a third of the league had tampered or not tampered. Um, Laboratory was it? Just, testing. Yeah. Yeah. There were like, in, there were just unclean COVID testing. So, um, but Kevin Stefanski was one of the guys that had a false positive yeah. and he was talking today about how tough it was that when they restarted practice on Sunday, Joe Woods was running it. And he was like, I had to be at home on, that's what he said in his press conference today. He said that he had to be on his phone and constantly texting and calling and FaceTiming. And it was just so frustrating for him because he obviously isn't sick. It was a false positive, but there was Mm -hmm. nothing that he could do. Like they couldn't let him back into the facilities until he had a negative test. Right. Yeah. You have to think too, what if this happens like during the season? You know, like imagine that was a, the Saturday before the game on Sunday, like what, mm. what do you do? Like, what if it, what if it happens on both sides, both team, like two, both teams? What if it only happens on one? Like, how do you, how do you operate? I don't know. It's just like, there's just still so many like unanswered questions, but I was happy that the Browns, they seem to be like living in their bubble without actually being a bubble. Mm-hmm. The they Berea seem to bubble. be taking it very seriously. Yes. And I think, uh, shockingly, like, it seems like most NFL players are. Yes. You're not seeing a lot of, you know, actual positive tests for, for COVID. And I think uh, that's a testament to, to them. They're, they're yes. ready. They're taking this very seriously. They're not, you know, risking it right now. I, I think that's awesome. And I'd love to see more of that. And um, I think the, the CDC just made a change to, what was it, asymptomatic people where they don't have to wait that 10 to 14 day period to uh, go around people anymore. I think that's what I saw today. 
So I think that also will change how some of the things are going because you, in baseball, I'll use that because, you know, that's a lot of baseball, not a lot, but baseball players tested positive, but they weren't showing symptoms. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if that's because they're athletes and they're like in great shape and maybe it doesn't affect them. I don't know all the science behind it, but you know, if these players do come down with COVID, there's a good chance that they don't have to wait the 10 to 14 days to, you know, get back to work. So I, I look forward to, to seeing how that plays out too. Well, I think with the NFL, I, I think probably what they're going to wind up doing is I think they're probably going to make their like pregame testing on Friday, I think, okay. um, yeah, just to sense. like, yeah, to, um, to compensate. So if that happens again, mm-hmm. so if they have like bad lab results, they, um, they have a, yeah, they have a day to figure it out. Um, and That's to, yeah. So like, it made sense to do the game day testing on Saturday because you, you know, you don't know what can happen between Friday and Sunday, but yeah. you know, as long as everyone is, you know, home practice facility yeah. field, that's it, you know, that then they should be fine. So I think the NFL is putting trust in the players that once they get their tests on Friday, they're not going to like go out to a club on Saturday, you know? Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's what they want to do is, um, move the testing back to a Friday. So in case there's another, um, you know, unclean test that comes out with a bunch of false negatives, they have a little more time to figure out if they're actually positive or if they're false positive. Yeah. Someone tweeted though, like imagine the Patriots like tampering with the testing. Of, oh like, my the God, other they team. would. <laughs> well, I, like I would actually envision them like finding COVID and like I don't know, like spreading finding it onto COVID. the other team's locker, like finding COVID infected things and like placing it around the hotel or the locker room. Oh my room. God. Can you imagine though? Like yes, let's I go could. find an infected person and like have them lick everything. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, if they're willing, if they're willing to deflate some balls and be on the sidelines with a camera. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past them. And they don't, they don't have Tom Brady this year. So Bill Belichick has got to prove himself without Tom Brady. Listen, they have Cam. Kill a right. Cam. Right, <laughs> That's right. Cam. Well, we're going to wrap up the NFL talk just with the fan piece of it because the Ravens announced that fans will not be in attendance for, in attendance for the initial part of the season, which mm-hmm. obviously includes the home opener against the Browns. And then the Bengals also announced no fans as well, which obviously isn't good for the Browns, given the fact that they are also in Ohio. Yes. Um, other teams are obviously following suit with that. And then like the big news in Cleveland was no tailgating. That hurts. People were more upset about that than actually going to games, which I understand. Tailgating, oh my God, tailgating is, yeah. it's fun. And you know. That's synonymous <laughs> with the Browns. <laughs> I've, I've still never been to the Muni lot, but I have like tailgated a lot. And it, I mean, it's more fun to tailgate to me just because by the time, by the time I get to the game, I don't really remember much of it. <laughs> I just, I don't. And oh my gosh, the one night they had, uh, it was, was it Sunday night? Uh, see, I don't even remember what day it was. Cause that's how it was. Bad. <laughs> against the Rams. Was it against the Rams? Um, what game was I at? It was either Sunday or Monday night. I think oh it was, I think it was Rams. Cause I remember, I feel like, cause I think you were like texting me and asking me to like, <laughs> yeah. Cause you were like, cause you were like asking me to, I think you kept asking me to like come out and me. And I'm like, Brittany, I'm, I can't. 
that, that sounds like me. <laughs> I, was like, I was like either in the press box or in, or in studio that day. Like I was like glued to wherever I was and I was like, I, I want to. I yeah. Can't. The tailgating, <laughs> it's a pet. I'm like the, the night games. Those are what get me because I also, oh, I also went on a Thursday night and that was also terrible. Oh, the Steelers. Like, because, yeah. yeah. Because you have all day just to like hang out and, you know, tailgate and so I'm sad, but it's also very necessary. Like they have to do, they, you can't just have these massive groups of people together. Obviously they're drunk. They're not going to be wearing their masks. Listen, like, don't you think people are still going to be tailgating? Like how, like obviously they could get in trouble. Right. But I have a feeling yeah. that people are still going to try. I don't I'm, think that they'll be able to do it in the city of Cleveland. Cause they'll probably have like cops and stuff to come break it up. But I imagine people taking like at their home. Yeah, like their pickup trucks and like backing it up in the drive, and the trucks are gonna have testicles on them, so they're gonna like back the, the like trucks up in the driveway, and then they'll probably have like a TV set up, and just they're, they're gonna like they're gonna tailgate in their backyards, like that's what they're gonna do. Yes, yeah, I, which is fine. Yeah, I mean, if it's less than ten people, I mean, go for it. Why not? We're gonna try to watch the games live with you guys virtually, yeah. safely. How about that? We'll see. We'll see how that goes. We'll we'll hopefully have something to announce soon. But okay, so I'm going to move off of the NFL, move into Major League Baseball because um, over the weekend, the Indians, or sorry, the Cleveland base. What are we calling them? The Cleveland Baseball Club. Well, I don't know what they are anymore. The what's Cleveland happening Wilds. with them? By the way, whatever happened? Are they ever going to change it? I was just thinking that. I was like, they, what is happening with that? It was they'll like, just die. Well, big they, two, and then nothing. Well, so they so they released a statement, and this and the Washington football team all happened like within 24 hours of each other. The Washington football team released a statement saying, "Well, we're considering a name change," and then the Indians released a statement saying, "Well, we're also considering a name change," and then like a week later, Washington said, "Okay, we are going to change the name. We don't know what it is yet. Just call us the Washington Football Club." Whereas the Indians are just like, "Look at our pitching." <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think they just like wanted us to forget it ever even yeah, happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, so, I mean, I forgot because our young rookie, Tristan McKenzie, <gasps> made his debut. Tristan. Did you guys see his interviews that he had on Sports Time Ohio, by the way? Like, no, I did I not. Didn't. I did not. Uh, Andre Knott did um, some pre and post game stuff with him. I think there was some stuff that um, Jensen Lewis did with him at training camp, and he is a treasure. I, oh, my okay. goodness. I tweeted this in response to one of Brittany's tweets, but we have to protect him at all costs because he is oh, now our son. Like we, yeah. like we are his mothers. I felt very, I felt like I needed to protect him. Like I just felt this, like this wave of love and emotion. Right. <laughs> Super yes. young, little skinny bean pole out there. He's like six, he's six, him. five too. Like he's so literally tall. Yeah. So like little. Six, five, 165. Yes. I Man. actually got like, I actually thought it was Brittany Mollis pitching out there with the bottom knife. <laughs> I was like, Brittany, like, this is like the praying mantis. Like, you always talk about, like, your arms and your legs. I feel a connection to him. And this, honestly, guys, this was the first time that I was ever, not the first time, but the first time in a long time that I was really excited about something. Like, days before, I was like, okay, yeah. no matter, because we had plans to go to Top Golf that night. And um, I was like, yeah. I want to make sure that we could watch Tristan McKenzie pitch like yeah. because there's been so much build up and then you know he got hurt and everything but I mean guys he was super impressive I mean and his strikeout. first his first career strikeout was against your man Big El Cabrera listen we don't have to go there <laughs> <laughs> how dare you that was too far, was too far. <laughs> 
Oh I gosh, I saw help. someone. I saw someone tweet the stat that um, Tristan McKenzie was five years old in Miguel Cabrera's rookie season. Oh, that makes me feel so old because I remember I was just telling somebody about Miguel Cabrera's rookie season the other night. And I was, <laughs> it really makes me feel like I'm 100 years old because I mean, you watch this guy. I'm going to go on a Miguel. Stop me. Just stop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, down no. Miguel Cabrera. Have the floor. I am excited for this. No, look at our fault. Our viewers are probably going to drop like they do every time I'd speak about Miguel Cabrera. But you know what? It's, my, it's our show. So I'm going to say what I want about him. So the, the thing that I was trying to explain was that when he came up, um, he was like this super athletic guy. He was like 6'4", 185 pounds or something. He played, I think he started off as an outfielder and like he could steal bases. Can you imagine Miguel Cabrera stealing a base right now? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like Bartolo Colon. Like Bartolo Colon was like in super shape when he first started in the league and now he's earned the name Fatolo Colon. Oh, Bartolo, so- I love you still. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Tristan McKenzie, this is somebody that I can definitely get behind. And I always said I would never fall in love with another baseball, another Cleveland Indian. But you know what, guys? I might just go back on that. Ooh, yes, yes. I think so- that's okay. I think that's acceptable. It's totally it's- acceptable for Tristan McKenzie. Yes. It's actually exciting. Like, it's something to look forward to. Not that I yeah. wasn't looking forward to watching baseball, because I, I, I already admitted that I was falling back in love with baseball and enjoying watching them. The frustrating part about that game, though, was he was pitching a great game. And our offense, I was worried that we weren't actually going to be able to pull it out for him because our offense has just been, mm. like, pulling teeth. It has been so frustrating to watch. And right now, the Indians are up against the Twins. And feels like we can never win against the twins mind you yeah. um and with how stellar our pitching is and our pitching has been we talked about this earlier on uh, a few podcasts ago with just like you need to have both things clicking the pitching mm-hmm. and the hitting and the indians pitching has been stellar and fantastic thus far outside of yes. a few idiots uh we'll get into that as well well, well adam pluko hasn't been looking that great so I mean but but he's not supposed to be in the starting five anyway so and that's that's the thing I think like the Indians have looked their pitching has looked good enough to be able to win more games than than what we've won thus far and you know I just hope that they can figure it out and pull it together but I I wanted Tristan McKenzie to to have that win so bad and I'm so happy that they pulled it out for him and I will be watching him again in his next start but we do have to talk about the Indians did announce today that Mike Clevenger is going to start um, the game tomorrow against the Twins, a series finale. Um, and there was also reports today that Chris Antonetti says that, and I quote, there is no place for Zach Plesak in the lineup right now. And mm-hmm. also in, he said in Major League Baseball, correct? Yeah, wait, oh, I have to go and look up this quote. Yeah, can I you sent look that up I... and directly yeah. quote that? Because it was, those are strong words, very yes. strong words. Yes. And I don't think you can read between the lines. Like that, that is was, very direct. Yeah, that was very intentional. That statement, it meant something. It wasn't like, oh, did you find it, Meredith? Yeah. So here, here's the quote from Chris Antonetti. He spoke to Zach Plesak after speaking to Mike Clevenger and quote, told him we don't have an opportunity for him at this time at the major league level. Yeah. Mm. Those are like, those are, you are fired words. Like that's, yeah. that's what a boss says to you. When, when you screw like, up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's well, we just don't have a place for you in our company right now, but we wish you luck on your future endeavors. That sounds, sounds like a real serious breakup. 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, I just don't have place for you in my life right now. <laughs> I'm going to use that next time I have to dump somebody. <laughs> That's a lie. No, all he had to do was not make dumped. that video. Yes. If he, not, if he yes. didn't do that, everything would be fine. He'd be back into rotation. Like All of it would have been fine. They, they're bringing my Clevenger back up, which I don't know if that's for the long run, but they're doing it. They would have done the same with Black, Zach Plesiak, but dude, you had to go on that that weird little rant, apology, Couldn't whatever delete it, it was. Enough. And, no. Oh, it was God. up for a while too, and it was like posted on Barstool. And Ooh, I know like cringe. us at the radio station, we like we pull the audio the minute we found it. So I mean, it's it like it's out there. Um so what are no. your guys' theory on club though? Because like the reality is like we, when this all happened, we all collectively felt that club looked worse than please mm-hmm. up until the freaking Instagram video. Okay. Yes. So put that behind us. But we felt like Clev honestly was almost worse based on the lying on top of all mm-hmm. of it. So what, like, what, what is it that Mike Clevenger, is he back in the lineup for good? Does this mean something else? Theories. Uh, here's my theory. Theories. And it's, (laughs) 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 this is, we talked about the Indians pitching and they just seem to always, you know, they just dive right into their system and pick another one up and it goes great. I don't know how they keep doing that. Like great scouting, great development, everything, but they just keep them coming. Like they don't miss a beat when it comes to starting pitching. So they're in a position where they can, they they hold the upper hand here. If they don't like it, if guys, we talked earlier about character and how important that is. And it means something. So if you don't like the way this guy treated his teammates, if you think it's going to be a problem in the future, you know, things are weird now, distant, you have the advantage of just saying, okay, like we'll trade you for something else. Like the Indians, I, they're amazing with their starting pitching. And I don't know, I, I don't get it. Some sort of, you know, sorcery that they're using but you know they they have that off they just go in throw another starting pitcher clev gone and i do think you know the trade deadline's monday i think yep the 31st i mean i would not be surprised at all (laughs) so my my theory on why they brought clev back um chris antonetti has said a few times that he wants to have the best lineup in order to win um my theory is there it's there's two parts to it firstly i think that they are sick of losing to minnesota because the tribe always loses (laughs) to minnesota and clevenger right now is the second best pitcher in in that rotation and if you're talking about the people that give you the best chance to win clevenger is in that conversation so i think that that was sort of i think that's a little bit sneaky on on that on that part i think that they're trying to maybe find a way to, to salvage the series against the twins and not get fully swept because he'll be pitching in the, in the series finale. Mm-hmm. I yeah. also think that they're using it as an opportunity to put him on display because if he's down at Lake County just doing bullpen sessions, that's not going to show another team what his worth is. So if he comes in and the tribe gets a win against Minnesota on Wednesday night, like that's going to be a huge win for Clevenger. It's going to be a huge win for the Indians and it's going to increase his trading power. Cause I want to say, I forget who said it, but there was a baseball insider maybe two or three weeks ago that said uh, in order to trade Clevenger, it's going to have to be a blockbuster trade, which is not something that we would expect in a short season like this. Like come Monday, the season is half over. 
So, you know, we're not necessarily expecting a blockbuster trade, but if the Indians want to get rid of Clevenger, if they want to get him out of the clubhouse, you know, I think they're putting everything that they can into increasing his trade value and also just, again, not losing to Minnesota. Because I feel like I feel like the Indians against Minnesota is like how Detroit feels oh. when they play the Indians. Up until this past weekend, Detroit took two out of three, which kind of sucks. But I don't yeah. know. That's 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 sort of where my head is at with um with Clev coming up to pitch on Wednesday night. Yeah, I think it's possible. I also think that you know it was reported that a couple of teammates were pretty unhappy and they didn't want the players back on the team. But it also made me think too, were they specifically speaking to one or the other? Were they specifically mad at Plesak based on his IG rant, not only for just his actions, but just how he defended his actions slash just really didn't apologize or take any ownership for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, that was the other thing that I was thinking as well. And like the reality is he, he really screwed up because they did just paint him his his decision as just a mistake for being young and stupid. Yes. And he made him he dug himself into a hole with that video. And and I think that probably rubbed a lot of people in the organization and in the clubhouse the wrong way. So I think he is obviously the one that is at risk. And I think Clevenger has a chance to stay on the team, unfortunately. I I mean, I think what he did was just as bad, but I think he obviously his the after effect was not as bad as Plesak and sure. you know he he dug his grave and now he's gonna have to lay in it and I think for Clevenger he ha- he has a chance and and who knows like what conversations have been happening amongst yeah. the team and and you know nothing has really been reported from that sense of Clevenger but it's gonna be an interesting week for the Indians and you know Tristan McKenzie obviously made a really good start and a and a name for himself so you love to see that, in my opinion. You love I will now that. be watching every five days. Good, as you should. <laughs> For sure. I um, my I had a another theory on Zach Plesak. Like the one thing that I will give the Indians credit for is they are very, very good at always being in front of a story. Like they are very good at controlling the narrative of any drama that happens with the team. They're very good at. Uh, making sure that they're the ones that get the story out as opposed to things getting leaked to the media and then reported. Um, So I think that was probably why Zach Plesak's video was so like detrimental to him because Mm -hmm. it did not give, because it was clear that he didn't tell the Indians that he was going to do that. He was like in his car, he was probably like fuming in his car. And it's like, oh, I just have to get on social media and say something. So he like pulls out his phone, gets on Instagram, posts it all, doesn't give the Indians any fair warning. And then the team and the PR staff is now dealing with having to clean up this mess, which is not something that they're used to doing because they don't have to, and they don't like it. And then it also makes me wonder, because he goes on this ridiculous rant about the media in it and hmm. like at no point did anyone in the media say anything bad about Zach Plesak. Like you said, Bree, it was, you know, it, he's young, he made a mistake. I'm wondering if the conversations inside the clubhouse that were angry at him, I wonder if he and his like twisted little bro mind thought that those words and opinions coming from his teammates were stuff that they were seeing in the media rather than the stuff that they were seeing 
right in front of their face. So I, I have, I'm starting to wonder if that's like where his mind was at when he started blaming the media. If that makes sense. Did that make sense? I yeah, feel like that. It, it, yeah, it could, it could very well be. And again, I think the week, this week will be very interesting with how everything plays out. And as we get into, um, you know, approaching the trade deadline to see what happens with, with the Indians and, you know, with Clevenger tomorrow against the twins, uh, it, I'm anxious to see where things stand because again, like we haven't heard much about it since last mm-hmm. week. So yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to close that chapter, honestly, and just move on from all of it. We have Same. like the Indians have other things they need to focus on. They need to worry about winning and getting the offense and the bats going because they've stranded 8 million runners on base. <laughs> so they've had every, they've had every chance to win games and they just can't. I'm so sick of seeing that. <laughs> Uh, Brittany, so you have a note in here about your baseball confession, and I have to I have to say, in the rundown, I was reading this, and I laughed out loud because she also confessed that she's never had raising canes, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's been living under a rock. I've Listen. never had it either. <gasps> what? This was like Wait. my college, the college meal that I like lived on. Okay, no, I've never had it. Uh, first things like first. It? Oh, gosh. Raising canes. The chicken was good. But the sauce was where it really got me. Yes, the, sauce the cane was really sauce. Good. Yes, that was good. The fries were terrible. They're you didn't crinkle- like the crinkle fries? Oh, oh God, crinkle cut fries, fries are the worst. Oh, that's why, gosh, who that's are why, that's why, that's why I don't Texas like Zach's toast. The oh, Texas that's toast. A, so it sounds like Zach's Texas toast is good. Texas toast like dipped Zaxby's. in the cane it, sauce? But, like, just, does that, I, I know that, that sounds, that sounds weird. Dip the toast into the cane yeah, sauce. I didn't think right, about Meredith, it. stop looking at me like that. Stop <laughs> judging me. So it sounds, it sounds like Raising Cane's is like the northern version of Zaxby's. Because we had when I lived yes. in Tennessee, yes. there were Zaxby's like everywhere. And I, when we, we were sitting there and I was like, oh, have you ever had Zaxby's? I was sitting there with Danny and I was like, do you ever have Because it reminded me of that. But yeah. you know, Zaxby's chicken is better, but the sauce at Cane's is better than pretty much anything. Their sauce is very well, good. I will say this, oh like gosh, in so terms good. of French fry rankings, and I have very strong opinions on French fries, crinkle cut tr- fries are trash. I don't like them. I agree with you. I've I could not agree with you harder. Liked, you guys. I've never met a French fry I haven't liked. <laughs> I was like, I, just, I'll give me all the French fries. Give me all the different kinds. I will, I will still eat them and love them. We'll do that. We'll <laughs> do that as like a bonus episode on, on like Friday. Not this Friday, but some Friday we'll do a bonus episode where we rank all of our opinions on French fries. I do have a hot take though, because Brittany was talking about the cane sauce. Mm-hmm. I like the cane. I like cane sauce better than Chick Fil A sauce. I'm sorry, no one kill me for that. No, you know I. You might be right. Like really, because I love Chick Fil A sauce. One time, oh, okay, this is a good good combination. I got Popeyes chicken and I dipped it in Chick-fil-A sauce. I've never had Popeye's chicken, by the oh, way. Popeye's oh, Popeye's chicken. Oh, Popeye's is good. I haven't had Popeye's since I was like a little kid, mostly because I don't, I don't know where any of them are. Like I got, like when I lived in Tennessee, I'd like, there was one day I had like a really weird craving for Popeye's and I looked up and like the closest one was like 30 miles away. And I was like, I'm not, not driving 30 miles for fast food, but if I, re- if I remember, like, I remember Popeye's being good, but like I said, I haven't had it since I was, like, little, so. Oh, it is good. I promise you, it is good. Um, but the whole thing, okay, so it's a baseball story. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Yes. And I contemplated putting this in here, because I don't want to sound, you guys know, people are going <laughs> to tag me for this one. Yeah. But it's just funny, and I don't think I really realized this the other night. So we were at Kane's, and first of all, that place is so popular, 
uh, the, it was just like wrapped around the building into the street. So my expectations were super high. The crinkle cut fries definitely let me down. They were probably one of the worst fries I've ever had from a fast food place. Sorry, but they were. But we're sitting there and I don't even know how the conversation got started. I'm sure I was probably talking about Miguel Cabrera or Victor Martinez, you know, as I do all the time. And it dawned on me that I... I've never, you know, I have these favorite players who I love loyally forever, no matter what. I have, I don't like Caucasian baseball players. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, and then, you know, he didn't believe me. I was like, no, I really don't think that I've loved too many of them. And he, we, we again, this line was super long. So we just sat there. And he went through all these line, the Indians lineups going back to like 2003, maybe. And he's like, what about this guy? You know, Lou Marson, Casey Blake, and just throwing these names out. Josh Bard. I'm like, no. Kelly Shopik, who I could not stand, by the way, because I felt like he was a threat to Victor Martinez. Anyone I don't like is a threat to somebody that I love. That's how I work. But then, guys, I came up. There is a list of five Caucasian baseball players who I really, really loved. And this might be the most obscure list that you've ever heard in your life. Oh, I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to guess one of them. I want you to guess just one. You First of all, you only went back to 2003. I was going to say Jim Tomei. Okay, no, you can go back that far because okay. there, there's some that are like, yeah, they've some of them are retired by now. One, two. Actually, I think all of them are retired now. <laughs> And are they all Indians players? Specifically, or just like? No, I don't think. Let me see. One, Mark two. Mark McGuire. No, three. <laughs> that is, I am offended that you'd even. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna throw out a name, and if you mm-hmm. say no, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna take it personally. I'm gonna be very deeply hurt. Go, Cal Ripken Jr. No, but I do like. I don't mind him. So there's like levels. There's like you know he would throw out some names, and I'd be like, oh, you know, I didn't really didn't love him, but I didn't hate him either. Like, you know, just lukewarm feelings. Cal Ripken, I liked, but he's not enough to be in my top five. Yeah. I guess it was different because for me growing up, we only had the Baltimore Orioles and, um, you know, that like witnessing my, my dad still has Cal Ripken's 2,131st game on VHS. Like he taped it, he VCR'd it (laughs) and he still has the tape and he refuses to get rid of it, even though I don't think he has VCR anymore, but yeah. So if you want to see like old grainy footage of Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak, my dad has it. Wait, I think okay. that's the game. I was, I had strep throat when I was little and my mom went on a trip. It was just me and my dad home and I was like super sick. And I remember very specifically we were watching that. It was either that game or his last game. And it was like, I, like I fell in love with, with everything that night, but it was, you're bringing see now I have tears in my eyes Meredith thank you <laughs> I mean at least these Cal are like happy, I, at least these are happy tears I hope as opposed to the sad tears that we were causing at the beginning of the podcast yes yes <laughs> um so no uh it's not Cal Ripken it's not Mark McGuire Brie I'm so offended that you would even say that <laughs> no what do you you think I just love these how about, men? <laughs> how about um here's another one um yeah, I, I got another one yeah Super, super Joe Charbonneau. No. Okay. People in the comments are saying Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones. No, but actually I really did not like Chipper Jones. I thought he was annoying. And like they used to play the Braves and I hated the Braves. So no, (laughs) Chipper Jones, 
was not it. All right, we need to hear this list. I know we've right. we've thrown out like ten players. I knew I know. you guys were never gonna guess, but I figured I'd let you throw some names out just for fun. Um, my own family didn't even they couldn't guess it because I asked my mom, my dad, I guess my sister, none of them. So number one, Mike Musina. Loved Mike Musina so much. He was number one. Number two was Andy Pettit. <laughs> loved Andy Pettit random um oh it gets worse number three ben broussard do you guys remember him no ben broussard he played for the indians i think he's the only indian on there so <laughs> that was number three no. um number four who else was there i can't oh. even remember <laughs> brady anderson meredith oh yeah that's right I, I, I love brady anderson too he was on an Loved episode of him. sabrina the teenage witch and that just made, like <laughs> as a child that was like such a weird thing because like i loved baseball and like the girlfriends that i hung out with in like fifth grade were not baseball people mm-hmm. and then we would always watch tgif together and then there was this episode that brady anderson was like a random guest star on sabrina the teenage witch and so i was weird. so ex- i was so excited and i was like oh my god it's brady anderson and my friends were like who <laughs> Like, okay, okay, never mind. <laughs> yes, Brady and And you know what, guys? I don't think there is a fifth. I think it was just four. <laughs> I think that's it. You can add Mark McGuire to your fifth. I would never do that. <laughs> no, you have to add Cal Ripken Jr. How do you not I love Cal Ripken Jr.? Can be there. I did like him. He was that's fine. Great. But like all of my favorite, Victor Martinez, uh, Robbie Almar, Miguel Cabrera, Fausto Carmona, they're, they're all Hispanic. Because they just seem like they have more fun playing. Like, that's it. I'm all about fun. And they always just seem like they had the best time playing. That's why I like Hispanic music. But then after I told him that, then, of course, we had to drive around and listen to Hispanic music all night. He wouldn't play a single song that didn't have Spanish in it. And I was like, you know what? I'm never telling you anything again. I love it. Hey. Well, we're going to have Calma as the uh, theme song of this podcast now. There you go. If I never hear another <laughs> a Spanish song again, please. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, this was a fun show. I like that little story. That was cute. Even though you slandered Kane's fries, Crinkle fries. It had to be done. Also, I'm tater sorry. Tater please. tots are also terrible. Really? Uh, okay. Tots. So I love, I mm. do love tater tots. I would say like the two French fries that I think are absolute trash are cottage fries and crinkle cut fries. Any other fries I can. Cottage fries are. They're like the, they're like the round ones. They're not waffle fries, but they're, but they're still round. Like smiley yeah. fries? No, smiley fries aren't even fries, are they? I feel like they're like tater tots in a different form. I didn't even know smiley fries were a thing until a couple weeks ago. I just had them like recently. Oh, I I think the only reason I like I was like vaguely aware of them was from like from when I studied abroad in, in London, because like that's like a staple of British food for children out there. So like everyone's like, oh my god, smile fries. I was like, I don't know what that is. I'm like 20 years old in London. I'm like, you got, I don't I don't know. I, just, I don't know. I can't handle the crinkle fly slander and the Mark McGuire slander from Disney. <laughs> so we're going to have to end this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, this was really fun. Um, thank you guys for joining us this week. Uh, hopefully we have better news to report on next week with our Cleveland Browns. And we can keep our fingers crossed that there are no more injuries that come our way before we get to next week. Uh, you know, we've got a couple weeks left until we get to the game one. So let's stay healthy. Um, don't forget, you guys, you can find us on iTunes, um, on Spotify, as well as Stitcher. Please rate and review us there. We'll download and post the episodes every Wednesday morning, and we'll continue to go live um, weekly. We will let you know. We might change platforms soon here. 
uh, to go live, but we'll let you know and give you those details as well. So thank you guys for tuning in and take care of yourselves, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week.